Okay, we're going to go now to that Chris live news Scott. conference. My name is D-W-A-Y-N-E. Last name is Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R. With me today is Chief Kelly Gordon, K-E-L-L-Y, from the Monterey Park Police Department. And I have uh, Captain Scott Lochner, L-O-U-G-H-N-E-R. Uh, Captain Lochner is going to give a brief uh, brief statement, and then we'll have uh, Chief Chief Gordon also give you guys a brief statement. With that, I'll turn, over, turn it over to uh, Captain Scott Lochner. Thank you all for coming out. On behalf of Chief Murray and the Downey Police Department, I'd like to share our deepest condolences to the Monterey Park Police Department and the family of their officer. We ask you that you respect the privacy of the family and the Monterey, Monterey Park Police Department as they, as they grieve the loss of their family member. We'd also like to thank all the law enforcement agencies that have been assisting us throughout this investigation. Their assistance has been invaluable and much appreciated. Since the shooting occurred yesterday at approximately 3.25 p.m., our detectives have been working nonstop to locate the suspects responsible for this senseless act. Our, detect our detectives have been following up on several leads and are confident that we will bring justice for the officer and his family. The investigation is rapidly evolving, and unfortunately, I cannot share what leads we are currently following up on as we do not want to compromise the investigation. When we are able to share further information, we will work with the Monterey Park Police Department to share that information. We will also continue to work with the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office to ensure the people responsible for this heinous act are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. At this time, I'd like to introduce Chief Kelly Gordon of the Monterey Park Police Department. So I'm going to start by introducing the name of the officer who was killed yesterday. The Monterey Park police officer who was murdered off duty in the city of Downey yesterday is Gardiel Solario. And now I'm gonna give you a little bit about who Gardiel was. Gardiel grew up in the city of Bell Gardens. He was 26 at the time of the senseless tragedy. Graduate of Cal State University, LA, he had a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Gardiel was hired by the Monterey Park Police Department as a police officer recruit on January 31st of this year. He attended the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Academy. It was part of class 460. He graduated from the academy on July 22nd, at which point he went from recruit to police officer and started his field training program on July 25th. The academy staff shared with me their thoughts about Officer Solario. He was hardworking, dedicated, and took every aspect of training seriously. He was family-oriented. The why in the biography he wrote was to be a good role model for his nephews. And he really wanted to make an impact on the community. His classmates shared that Officer Soli had all the characteristics of a great officer. He was humble dedicated, selfless, and hardworking, but even a better person. He brought laughter and joy to many of us. He survived by his mom, dad, brothers, sisters, and fiance. His family wanted me to share that he was proud of being a police officer and serving his community. His family and friends describe him as tough as nails, but a child at heart. Although his time with Monterey Park 
was very short. We all knew from the moment we met him that he had the heart of service and was going to be a great officer. And I can tell that from the moment he walked in and did our first introductions into my office. The family and department are grieving right now, and this is a especially difficult tragedy. You know, it's a senseless act of, of violence. He was only 26 years old. And I don't know about all of you, but you know, I have children that age. So for me, this particularly uh, is particularly difficult, and I'm very thankful and appreciative for the support from other agencies, local, state, federal agencies that are helping with this investigation. The community for all of their support for our department, and especially for the Downey Police Department. I will tell you that the men and women of the Downey Police Department are incredible, incredible professionals. They're doing their best with this investigation to bring justice for, for him, for the family, for the department, and to make sure that those responsible don't make anyone else a victim. And I just ask that, you know, during this difficult time, you know, we're going to release information as it becomes available when it doesn't compromise the investigation. I know everyone has a lot of questions, but I just ask that you be patient. You give the department some, some time to deal with this tragedy as well as his family. You know, I'm sure you can all appreciate that this has been a, a very difficult 24 hours and uh, a very big shock for all of us as we deal with this. So thank you very much. At this time, this concludes our, our press conference. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to give you guys some more information here soon. Uh, we're following up with some of these now, so hopefully within the next few hours, we'll be able to give you guys a press release to kind of update you on, on, our, on our status. There'll be no questions at this time because we really don't have any much further right. than that. Okay, we're going to so come on the air here. John and Ken show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. What you're listening to is a press conference dealing with the shooting death of a Monterey Park police officer who was off duty. This happened at about 3.30 in the afternoon yesterday in a parking lot of a mall in Downey, uh, an L.A. fitness gym. So there's not a lot known. There's got to be a lot of witnesses when it happens in a mall parking lot at three in the afternoon you would think if not surveillance cameras but they have not arrested anybody yet what they wanted to do in this short news conference was give the identity of the officer who was killed gardiel solero the age of 26 uh off duty so he may have been there going to the gym it could just be road rage we don't know i heard something this morning about the way one of the cars was parked or angled that may be, you know, I don't know it was his car backing out or there might have been some kind of dispute or it, it could have been a target shooting, right? Somebody that wanted to kill him. We don't know. So that's uh, the press conference that we just carried here on KFI on the shooting death of an off-duty Monterey Park police officer. Uh, we move over to another big story. And I meant to tell you this yesterday and that, well, wait a minute, you weren't here the day before. Right. But, I, well, you, you know, I still have a landline phone. Okay. Oh, I do too. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought you got rid of it. So uh, um, I, I it's all spam calls. But for a hoot, I sometimes uh, f you know, flow through them just to see. Yeah. And what telemarketers have done in order to, because they had to start revealing like the phone number or where the call's coming and sometimes the name, you know, that, that happened a few years ago. It can't just be out of area or blank. Something's got to show up. So they've been using the names of people when they call you to make you think, oh, or at least if you don't know the name, you don't recognize it, 
Oh, John Block. Oh, John. Do I know John Block? No, but there's the person calling me. I, I know you're, you probably think this is crazy, but this is actually what they've done. No, and they spoof a local number, so it looks like there's somebody basically yeah. in the neighborhood calling you. Yeah, it's often the same exchange as mine. Right, same right? exchange and the same first three uh, yeah. numbers beyond yeah. the area code. I mean, I still get calls from poll people. I can see that. But in the last several months, I got two good ones. The first one is not the one we're going to talk about for very long, but I enjoyed it anyway. The call was from Holly Hunter. The, the actress. actress. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, Wait. I stared at it. I said, Holly Hunter, why would she call me? She I'm pretending her. to be sort of a, a <laughs> person with mental... Oh, my God. I'm tempted to call back. It might be really important. Maybe she has a part for me in a movie or a show. Or she wants to date. But then last week, a really good one came. The name on the caller ID was Jose Weizar, along with the telephone number. Should we call it? Uh, Jose Weizar, the uh, councilman the, here the in L.A. Disgraced. No, the disgraced. No the, longer. The indicted, disgraced. He's did, off the council. Did right? he get convicted yet? No. No trial Not yet. yet? No. No, but I think everybody involved in his case think either he was, pled or was found guilty. He needed uh, maybe some uh, legal funding. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think he was actually calling me, but I'm thinking maybe somebody on his behalf is trying to... They did not leave a message. None, the, most of these don't leave messages. The Jose Weizar committee to... Uh, but I did a double take when I saw the name. I'm like, Jose Weizar. It was a valley number. It was the 818 number. Ah, maybe he was looking for uh, somebody to bail him out. I, that was his one phone call he got to, in, I'm tempted to call jail. it back, but then it'll show up. My phone number will show up in there, and they'll be like, oh, there we go. We got a fish. I, I think there's some kind of um, uh, code you can click to... Uh, Block your... Make your number anonymous. Yeah, star something. Yeah, I remember it used to be star 69 to call somebody back. Right. But I don't know how you... Yeah, you can temporarily block your number. Are they still allowed that? Because they stay, they made us all reveal our numbers in the last... Uh, so, like, my cell phone shows. So, I guess you can still block your cell phone somehow. Uh, the reason we're talking about the LA City Council is because there was chaos today. Good chaos. Uh, one week after they voted to not allow homeless encampments within 500 feet of uh, schools daycare centers, but because they did not get a unanimous vote, the rules in the city council, and of course it was Mike Bonin, Nithya Raman, who voted no, they had to vote again today. That's how their belt works. They did not have to have a unanimous vote today. But before they could do that, and even the El Segundo Times reports it, it was almost the type of behavior that occurred in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. Yep. They even said that. Uh, apparently the mob uh, took over the council chamber and these are the homeless activists and all their friends and uh, at one point one of them charges the LA council president Nuri Martinez we have apparently some of the audio of this attack on Nuri Martinez whatever How dare you say that the people that are here are not unhoused? How dare you? I lived in District 14. I, you, you know what? I don't know. You're not gonna go over my. You're not gonna talk if I want to. No, no, no. You don't listen to me. You don't listen to me. Let it go. The cops did tackle the second member of the public on the council floor. 
one member tried to spray water from a bottle on her. Look at that. They took uh, Bonin's clothes off. Leave her alone! Let her go! Let her go! Let her go! Because they tackled this woman? Ladies and gentlemen, our government. (laughs) The context we understand is that Nuri Martinez said that the people there didn't appear to be homeless. I guess that's what got somebody worked up. In well, other words, she's trying to say, you know, this is about if, if you're actual homeless people who are objecting to this new law, you'd think they would show up. But usually it's a no, it's, it's crowd the, of professional protesters. They're paid activists. Now, if uh, anybody in the news media did their job, which they don't do their job, you'd find out what groups these people belong to and who finances them because they're getting paid by somebody to do this. They're not homeless. And... Um, they are paid to disrupt public events. You know, they're, they're, there's there's a lot of rich people who have weird political obsessions, and they fund these groups to create chaos and mayhem. Yeah, I mean, we saw them out in Venice. We saw them in Echo Park Lake yeah. when they tried to restore that place and, to and, some semblance of civility. Uh, it is a lot of young people who get involved. And right. It's the Socialist Democrats. Now we have a couple of them on the city sure. council, but and, this is all their backers. And it, and that's a well-funded uh, political movement here in it Los is. Angeles. It is. So they've got employees or freelancers that they pay available to show up and, and create a ruckus. You know what I read the other day? You know when, when, when Trump came down the escalator? Uh, when he announced... Uh, he, running for president. He, 2015, for president. Yes. Yeah. He paid for that crowd to cheer him oh, at the bottom. Cheer him on? Oh, yes. yeah. This, no. this is At that point, he was like 2% in the polls, so he probably had to. Right, so he had to buy people. That's what they do. A lot of these protests that you see are paid protesters. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 some of them are like employees of the activist group. So right. this, this stuff is, is staged. It's not spontaneous. It doesn't represent the neighborhood. There isn't a single person I've ever met in life who would like a homeless encampment filled with deranged drug addicts and mental patients in front of their kids' school. There is literally nobody who's for that. And it was Nori Martinez who compared it to January 6th, not the Times reporter. Just want to make that clear. She's the one that said, this is one step closer to looking like a January 6th takeover here of the city council chambers. Boy, that is is like a religious holiday for those people, isn't it? It is. January 6th. It's January. Well, that should have shook this crowd because we can't be compared to that (laughs) riffraff. Like like it was 9-11 or or December 7th when they bombed Pearl Harbor, right? It's one of those special dates that will live in infamy. We'll be talking to Joe Buscaino, who obviously was there, the LA City Councilman, later on in the show. Uh, this will prohibit people from sitting, sleeping, lying on, or storing property within 500 feet of every public and private school. And the reason this is bigger is because before, it had to be up to the city council person mm-hmm. to put forth what areas should they, be off limits to camping. They had a comp- this one is broad. They had a complicated bureaucratic, by design, a complicated bureaucratic uh, method to clear an encampment, which means it would take months and months to do. Uh, Now this is supposed to be streamlined. It's supposed to be an all-encompassing law. You just can't do this anymore. You can't uh, pitch a tent and and take a crap in front of a school, not even within 500 feet. Wow, that's shocking. Isn't that radical? Ooh, how heartless. By the way, that's the way it is in 99% of America. In 99% of America, you can't pitch a tent and take a crap in front of a school. Really? Yeah. Novel. I'd shock. You just got to get outside the city limits every once in a while, and you'd be amazed how the rest of the world lives. And for this city council to vote for this, and it was pretty overwhelming, I think 11 of them 
voted for this. And they said they're getting a lot of complaints from families, children trying to get to school, yeah. being blocked by encampments. It took them five years. I know. Five freaking years. All right, so Joe Buscaina will come on after 4 o'clock to give us a first-hand account yeah. of the chaos. So Joe said he never saw anything like this, ever. So uh be looking forward to his uh, descriptions. John and Ken show, KFI. All right, also making news this afternoon, they have found uh, somebody hanging from a tree near the merry-go-round in Griffith Park. Not a lot of details since this just happened a couple of hours ago. And uh, I can't even be sure if they're making it sound like it actually was a hanging where maybe somebody committed suicide or they were hung from the tree. Uh, they have not identified the near, age or the gender of the near person. The merry-go-round. Yes, a tree near the merry-go-round, not on the merry-go-round. No, I know. I just uh, that's uh, that's tough for the little kids. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if there, there was, was an a, active uh, a body swaying in the wind. That's not good. Yeah, the Times has a picture from 2014 of the area around the merry-go-round. It's very tree-lined. So one of those trees, apparently, someone called the report of somebody hanging. Wow. Nice. Like in a noose? That's what I'm thinking, but we don't know. Yes. But I, I it's a hanging in Griffith Park, so it mm. could have been a suicide. It doesn't necessarily have to be a murder or whatever. And, who knows how long they were hanging there before somebody found them. But uh, uh, that's one of the stories making news this afternoon. Uh, we move to, of course, the breaking news from last night. And what I enjoyed this morning was depending on what media outlet you were looking at. Last night, Trump reported that his home at Mar-a-Lago in, in Palm Beach, Florida, had been raided by the FBI. Now, the media, most of them do not like Trump, and they refuse to use that word. I don't know whether, is that like a caustic word that's supposed to arouse raid? Raid? They wouldn't use the word raid? They will not. No. no. Every media outlet, they're using search. Search. <laughs> well, no. Raid seems to imply that they did something illegal to Trump, when it, when and it, you should be outraged <laughs> that they would raid his home. Although, when they did this to Jose Weizar, the council we just talked about, you and I talked about, they raided his offices. And- well, that's, that's, that is the word you use, because they, they, they bust in by force, and they take stuff and run off with it. But they have a legal so, uh, search warrant. A raid seems to imply, you know, it's like a band of robbers. <laughs> well, I just thought that's just the common uh, verb that you use. You know, uh, they went. Uh, that's that's when I thought there was for a search is you're you're nosing around, you're opening drawers, you're trying to find something specific. A raid is just a wholesale ransacking of the place, right? Right. You ever you ever see uh, uh, pictures after somebody's house or office have been raided by law enforcement, and it looks like a tornado went through. They did. I think those guys. They, they don't carefully put everything back after they no, open drawers and I, desks. I, and I, I think that like uh, law enforcement gets off on really trashing a place. It's like rock stars in a hotel room years ago, right? They just take all everything out and dump it in big piles on the floor, and they knock over furniture and they open file cabinets, and it, it's just a, it's like a, a frenzy they get into. But if you're really trying to find something, shouldn't you be a little more careful as you search rather than just rip everything open? It's not, it's not like you're looking for jewels and just want to make a quick run. Uh, I don't know. It's some it kind of sense to me, but... intimidation tactic, I think. Uh, so the immediate stories from Trump and his supporters was this is just awful. The former president of the United States home has been raided by the FBI. And then the other side's like, yeah, 
Maybe they're finally going to find something we can put him in prison for. It's just fascinating to watch the well, way this plus, story unfolds in front of people. Every uh, anus with a microphone yesterday or the ability to type immediately had a conclusion about it one way or the other. And nobody knows for sure why they went in. Yeah, and nobody learned is that they're looking for classified documents that Trump was not supposed to remove from the White House. That seemed to be the consistent point that most of them seem right. to have found out. But, but yeah, that's what they guess, because he he had he had run out, especially after January 6th. He and his family ran out of the White House and, and they had boxes of documents. Like, remember when the Clintons ran out, they took silverware and plates? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't remember that. They did. Yeah. All right. Well, t- Trump's uh, crowd took away the boxes of documents, and then there is a law that governs presidential documents. So the National Archives said, no, you have to give this stuff back. So they returned boxes of documents, and they opened up the documents, and they found that you know some of them had been marked top secret. And you can't take classified documents home with you, even if you're the president now. If you're the president, you can declassify them, but you can only do that while you're the president. Once you're out of office, you can't retroactively declassify it. So if he had classified documents, technically that's a crime, the way Hillary Clinton was being chased for her emails on her private email server. You're not supposed to just run around with government documents, even on an email server or boxes of them in your house. Yeah. Now, they, but to most people, is this either one of them the worst crimes? I mean, honestly, no. But it, like it, record keeping, and which is why I suspect they're looking for something else. Yeah, most that, think they're looking for January six crap. There's a there's a there's a writer, Andy McCarthy, who used to be a uh, Department of Justice prosecutor, and he writes for the National Review and the New York Post. He said he suspects it has got something to do with January sixth that they want to build a case against Trump that he was intimately involved in in inciting the violence. That you know, it, it was planned. His communication his, with right. the what the, the oath keepers. Who else was involved in that? <laughs> I don't know. All, all the, the some of the other the Yahoo Q, talk show hosts that the, went there. Yeah, and, the QAnon crowd, the the guy wearing horns and fur. I mean that that whole group. <laughs> you know that it didn't just happen spontaneously, and he stood back and enjoyed it, but that he helped uh, you know plan the whole party. Well, there's also another angle to this. If he did. Uh, or is found guilty of having these classified documents, there are some that believe that could bar him from running for president again. Well, probably not, because even though there is a law that says he could be disqualified for committing that kind of crime, um, in the Constitution it says that the legislature cannot pass any law that limits anyone's ability to run for president. There's only two requirements. You're age 35 or older, and you're a natural-born citizen. And that that provision probably would be thrown out in court. Now, what they could do is retroactively impeach him, convict him, and then bar him from running for office again or bar him from ever serving in office. But you'll never get that. You'll never get that passed in Congress. So, you know, I don't know the point of this unless they have something, you know, insanely serious. All it's going to do is make him more popular. It's going to turn him into a martyr. In front of his diehards. So we'll have to see. But you know what? Nobody knows. It was Eric Trump that apparently told Fox News last night that it is about a search for these uh, White House documents and the National Archives is the one that started this to try to get back uh, the documents that were taken from the White House and shouldn't have been. Politico reported in 2018 that aides had to follow Trump around to tape back documents that he constantly shredded. 
<laughs> apparently when he ran the Trump organization, that was his habit. But you can't do that when you're president just, and your official government documents. You can't just tear everything up. He just disrespects. So Trump gets a memo on Afghanistan. It's like, okay, rip, rip, rip. Somebody <laughs> behind him grabs it, starts taping it back together again. Flushes it in the toilet. You got to go fish it out. Right. So depending on your viewpoint here, this could be just a whole document thing, or this uh. could be them fishing for something that can oh, make a bigger case oh, about the cra January The crazy 6th. people were vowing civil war. There was like uh, civil war was trending on Twitter. That uh, people were loading up their ammunition and they were ready to charge. Oh, okay. To uh, to defend his his good name. Yeah, because apparently last year he sued the January sixth committee to block them from getting National Archives records, and then earlier this year they said that they're going to turn over Trump documents to the January sixth committee, and then this went back and forth, and apparently they did eventually uh, they did take fifteen boxes of White House documents. They say Trump took fifteen boxes to Florida. And they came and took them back, but they think there might be other documents that Trump was still holding on to from his White House days. I mean, I've never understood why people hold on to documents that can get them in trouble. You know, or maybe go, just, going, they're just souvenirs. Going all the way back to Richard Nixon's tapes, you, you destroy things, shred the documents, erase the tapes, you know, destroy your computers, put everything in a dumpster. That's what you I, do. I didn't even know there were documents much anymore. I thought everything just stays digital on a computer record. Yeah, I know. I didn't think people printed everything out necessarily, but I guess papers you have it. Don't down. don't hold on to anything incriminating. Don't put anything in writing. There you go, lawyer Cobalt. Don't advice. go running around. Well, that's what I would tell people. You you, you do something uh, tawdry, you cover it up. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. Oh, exciting news. This Friday, the Moist Line people return after a two-week absence. You can leave a message anytime using the iHeartRadio app. A little microphone, talk back to the show. Those calls are listened to. You can also, of course, dial the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. Another note on Trump. This is the back and forth that's been also going on for years. Trump's taxes. <laughs> I'm always being audited. They're auditing me, so yeah, you can't see them. <laughs> uh, it's like a 10-year audit. <laughs> when he was president, he had the Department of Justice, obviously, on his side and trying to fight efforts by congressional committees. This would be the House Ways and Means Committee from getting a hold of his tax returns. But now that he's not president and he doesn't run the Department of Justice, Biden's Department of Justice ordered the IRS to hand over Trump's uh, taxes. Uh, Trump filed a lawsuit claiming that uh, there's concerns about the separation of powers between the two branches. I, a three-judge panel of the appeals court rejected that. So now we're going to wait for Trump, I guess, to appeal this to the U.S. Supreme Court. Is that what's probably going to come next? Because he's I don't know. seven I, days to appeal the decision. I didn't, I didn't even realize this was still an issue. It is still going on, yes. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the ton, New York Times had released a ton of his taxes, uh, tax returns some years ago, and nobody cared. Oh, they don't want him coming back, so they will take yeah, but, every road and route they can to prevent that from happening. Look, look how much has not worked. <laughs> yeah, well, they keep only they, a year and a half. They, they keep banging on the same drums, the, the, the tax drums. That That's not going to change anybody's mind. It's the tax drum. It's the January 6th drum. Right. You know, it's stealing and then, the documents. All drums. the sides have hardened on those issues. There, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's no fresh fruit to pick there. I know. But if they had somebody, then the lame that's president now, they'd probably have moved past Trump. But the focus is on 2024 and Biden is awful. So 
they oh, were I- afraid that if Trump runs again, he's going to be a winner. So they're trying to do anything they can to throw him, to derail his but the, campaign. But these are fake. Well, they wait to see who else might run. I know, but these are fake controversies. Most of this stuff is just fake nonsense. It's not something that's going to sway anybody. No, because everybody, first of all, somebody gets complicated, so people just decide it's political. All right. It's just because they don't like my guy. All right. That's and a lot of that. A lot of times that's true. Right. But the crowd that hates Trump says, this is it. We're finally going to get that corrupt bastard. (laughs) Yeah, he's corrupt. (laughs) And let's face it. Trump often seems like he's corrupt just the way he I know, acts but and the, the, the stories and lies he tells and stuff and all the but nonsense. But they, they've he never steers. been able to make anything stick. Yeah, I know. Never been anybody like him in the history no, of U.S. politics. But it's, it's, it's a, changed this, everything this when, is, as you said, he came down the escalator. This is the eighth year. This is exhausting. This is now, a, this is a large chunk of people's lives. Uh, well. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning, though. People were looking for somebody like Trump that loved him because he was like this breath of fresh air. He's going to tell the truth no matter what, if it hurts. And I think what really appealed to people is rather than most politicians who do the dance, they don't want to take a stand on a lot of things because somebody might be offended. I'll say the wrong thing. Trump would just attack people. Right. Hey, look at her. Like some fat poly. Look at her. Just look at her. They love that, right? Mm-hmm. But the other side hates that so much and believes in such decorum. Fake <laughs> decorum. Phony decorum. <laughs> they don't care. They think that it's supposed to be a position of respect. And sometimes you just have to act boring, neutral, and non-animated. Like, yeah. uh, well, like the dying puppet we have, Joe Biden. Uh, we're going to play you some of today's speech. Oh, he had a, he had a minute of, uh, a, minute of uh, a death rattle, I think, right? Yeah, he was making a speech about a new computer chip bill, two hundred eighty billion dollars. Wow. Uh, uh, anyway, well, it's to it's to start uh, American companies manufacturing computer chips here in America. Oh, rather than that rely used to be on... Trump's cause, bring the jobs back to America. Well, we should do this because we're being held hostage by all the supply chain nonsense in China and Taiwan. And when China, you know, closes down factories every two days because somebody gets a cold and, and you can't trust them in general, we should be making our own computer chips. Do you think this lazy country where people are quitting jobs left and right and just looking for another stimulus check are going to want to work in a computer chip factory? Really? Oh. <laughs> Come on. Those days are gone. Cut off welfare. No, that's like get on TikTok and become a star. Don't talk to me. All right, so uh, apparently is uh, talking about this bill. Now, he has uh, finally tested negative for COVID. I uh, couldn't tell by this. Uh, that's what they're telling us, so here you go. American manufacturing, the backbone of our economy, <laughs> was hollowed out. We let semiconductor manufacturing go overseas. And as a result, today, we barely produced 10% of the semiconductors <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, Despite being the leader in chips design as well as research. Don't go near that microphone. American company Micron is announcing today that because of this law, it's going to invest $40 billion over 10 years to build factories and special chips called memory chips that store information on your smartphone. <laughs> oh. Investment. This investment alone is going to create 40,000 jobs. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh. An increased market share in memory chips by 500%. Are we sure Two he's more negative American for COVID? I'm going to take another sip of water. 
Oh, no. He's got something hanging from his chin there. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I watched the video of this. and <laughs> Was there stuff flying out? No, but is there presidential mucus uh, blowing in the wind? Later, old Chuck Schumer speaks, and he turns around and shakes everybody's hand. I wouldn't have shaked Biden's hand after that. Yeah, no, I read he didn't wash his hands or anything or wipe them. That he just started shaking hands with people after he had blown all those uh, coughs into his palms. After Biden shakes Schumer's hand, Biden does that thing again where he doesn't—he looks like he doesn't know where he is, and he starts to put his hand out again, and then kind of shrugs his shoulders. You know that look? Did his imaginary friend show up again? And then he starts to point one way and slowly points the other way, like, what do I go? What do I do? Oh, oh, stop. Stop. Does he have long COVID is that, the question. That now. is the death rattle. It is, co- it is common in older people. Roughly one in four people over 65 do get the long-term symptoms. Because yeah. the immune system is shot. Yeah. All right. We got more coming up. I feel unclean. Uh, John and Ken Kaff, I-, I was just reading how it's probably going to hit a half a billion dollars spent on these two uh, gambling propositions. It's on the November ballot props 26 and 27. Uh, you, you can't avoid, if you watch any local TV stations at all, the ads are constant for and against, particularly Prop 27. That's the one where those companies want to get the online gambling business in California, but the tribes are against it. They want to keep it on their land at their casinos. But right. it, you know the, 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 the highest spending ever was $224 million on the Lyft and Uber Proposition 22, where they wanted to get around uh, making them employees. Mm-hmm. This is going to be twice that, five hundred million dollars will be spent by the time we hit November on these gambling with all of California's problems but obviously you're dealing with entities with big pockets you talk about an issue I absolutely don't care at all about no, but I there's a lot of money to be made off of dopey gamblers, I so I can see why they really. You know, I'm not a gambler, and uh, I don't run an, an Indian casino, so I, you know, I've got nothing. I know, and because the ads are constant, they make you think it's important, but it's no, really not. No, it's, I'm, I, I, I don't see a whole lot of TV, but if I run across these ads, I'm just going to change the channel. I just, I don't, I don't want to be beaten over the head for uh, four months. All right, coming up after 3 o'clock, we're going to have a guest, an attorney working for the Recall DA George Gascon campaign. They put out a press release yesterday claiming that the L.A. County Registrar is not following current signature verification laws, according to what's being described as the Public Records Act. So we will talk to the attorney to try to explain exactly what they believe is That's not being why. done by the rules. Why, and why, they, why do they believe this? How do they know this, right? Do yes. they have an inside source telling them that it's being done? You know what I heard today? They rejected about 22% of the signatures in the sampling that they took, which is too high. If that holds for the rest of the signatures that are verified, we're not going to get this on the ballot. It's got to be around, I calculated, 20, 21% about the maximum that can be rejected. I did the math earlier. Do you know how many mail-in ballots in the 2020 election were rejected in L.A. County. Do you have a percentage I, guess? I, I saw that in the in the uh, story. It's really low. It's, it's what, 2%? It's 2%. Mm-hmm. So aren't they kind of like the same thing? Kind of, except with, with propositions, you get people who are registered to vote, but they're outside L.A. County. 
But this isn't, you mean the recall petition. This is not for a proposition. The, but, well, yeah, for the recall petitions, right. For the recall petitions, you're getting signatures from the public, whoever shows up. Oh, they because they the don't realize gathering. that they're not L.A. County registered voters, but they really worked over right. Gascon. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Whereas in a well, with the mail-in ballot, these people actually got a ballot. It comes to your home. Right? It comes to your home, so they're just checking to see if the person who got the ballot is the person who signed the ballot. Here, they're looking at whether this person is legally allowed to vote if they're actually registered. And if they live in the county of Los Angeles. So they could throw out ballots based on those two criteria, in addition to the signature not matching. So what the Gascon Recall Committee has to do is find out why these signatures are being thrown out. You know, you know if, if, if 10% of the signatures that are thrown out are over the verification of the signature, then, yeah, they might have a case, and it might be all the difference in the world. But we don't know anything. So I, I, I well, I'm just saying that with mail-in ballots, we get stories that people by the thousands no longer even live in California. They're getting these mail-in ballots. Some of them must have returned them. They should get rejected. But maybe not. Maybe, you know, oh, well, it, you know, they're it, on the rolls, and they signed it. You it know? De- well, it depends on enforcement, and it de- depends if, if people are honest or dishonest. I mean, there's just a lot of dishonesty in government. There, I mean, there is. I mean, we, we got stories later about an unbelievable number of federal, state employees and postal workers who stole COVID money all across the country. I mean, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of shady people who get government jobs. I mean, the government tends to hire, you know, the bottom end. You know, the, that's it's it's uh, the uh, debris catch basin. Well, plus they also have the inside track to know how to do it, maybe. Uh, well, yeah, but they don't. With the government, and, but they don't have any morals or ethics. Yeah, they, they they have the inside knowledge, so they can pull off the inside job. But you and I wouldn't do that. They do because they they I'd spend a minute going to a place that's nuttier than California. There aren't too many states, but New York is starting to gain on us. They just signed a law. Prisoners are no longer referred to as inmates. <laughs> the Democratic governor, Kathy Hochul, signed the law. The term inmate, no good. It, re- it causes harmful stigma against incarcerated people by correcting. The new law will correct the outdated terminology. They'll now be referred to as incarcerated individuals. And of course, when they're released, they are formally Incarcerated, incarcerated individuals. <laughs> it it always becomes a long, complicated phrase with a lot of syllables. Yes, like illegal immigrants. Instead, now. instead of people saying, in the country without authorization. Instead of a convict, right? That's easy. He's a convict. He's a felon. Right. He's an ex-prisoner. That's easy. But formerly incarcerated ind- individuals. My God, what is what is that? Twelve syllables there. And if you want to go further. Don't even use the word incarcerated. Some are using the term people who have experienced the criminal justice system. <laughs> but you know doesn't tell you that they were in prison. They just experienced. You know, it's funny. 99% of the public will never use any of these phrases. The 1% is going to be all the woke jerks in the media. Oh, they will, yes. Or, or these, these brainwashed uh, journalism goody goods who follow everything in the AP style book. Well, you know, the AP style book says we have to use formerly incarcerated individuals. Like, well, who gives a crap? <laughs> the, 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 it, this, this is woke speak. 
This is not normal English, normal American English. All right, our guest next is Marion Thompson. She's an attorney for the Gascon Recall Committee. And, of course, those are the people that submitted all the signatures to the L.A. County Registrar of Voters. And they're claiming that they are not following the rules in verifying the signatures on the petitions. Coming up next. John and Ken Show, Deborah Marquez, the news, KFI AM 640.